Large to small businesses are at the mercy of COVID-19 and the devastating economic impact that continues to increase as the days go on. Some brands have been able to take immediate action and pivot effectively, while others are at a standstill and even worse, forced to close down operations. On today's episode, we talked to Marketing Mojo's Lisa Bowman about branding amidst the biggest pandemic many of us have ever seen. This truly is brand positioning during a world crisis. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. I'm a huge fan of yours, as you know. And when we were talking about this season in particular, what we wanted to focus on, it was clear that a lot of it would be COVID centric because, well, that's pretty much something that's affecting all of us in different ways. So thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, super happy to do this. You know, I'm a big fan of yours as well. So happy to be here. And there's so much to talk about. I mean, I like to call you as um, the marketing maven. And it's a pleasure to know you. You're always coming up with new ideas. You're really good at thinking about solutions too, especially quickly on your feet, which I think a lot of brands are considering right now as well. How are you finding this whole landscape? I know that you recently started Marketing Mojo and you're launching your own business and working with different small businesses as well. But from your experience in the past couple of months, how has it been working with brands and uh, trying to come up with unique marketing ideas to keep them afloat and uh, to put them in the proper lighting? You know, Bridget, I think it's an interesting time. That's the one word that I would use is interesting because sometimes out of chaos comes opportunity. And I think that while we are surrounded with a lot of horror stories, quite frankly, if you will, about companies laying people off, companies going out of business, I think there is opportunity that will come out of this. And I think that opportunity is going to be for some of those smaller and mid-sized companies that don't have the legacy infrastructure and are able to be a little more nimble and agile right now. If you think about the last economic crisis that we went through in 2008, 2009, the financial services meltdown, if you will, there were a ton of businesses that came out during that time. So there is opportunity here. And I think that for brands that are not getting bogged down by focusing on what's swirling around them right now, but starting to prepare and position for the future, those are the brands that are going to win. So Lisa, when you're having conversations with your clients right now, what are some of the things that you are guiding them through? I think one of the biggest things I'm hearing from people is how to leverage digital to attract new customers, we're all realizing that the way we've conducted business in the past is going to change. Whether that is something as simple as going to the market for food and some of the things we've all seen there, what the shopping experience will be like if and when it comes back, just going into a regular store, how that experience will change, how public experiences are going to change. So I think digital is really the way that we're going to have to learn to do things. And it's not that COVID has changed how things are going to happen. It simply accelerated them. We were on this path already. This is what companies were looking at, were thinking about. We've had to do it overnight and do it without the luxury of thinking about it to death. So I think that... You know, there may be a breather as we get on the other side of this for people to think about how to do it better because we just stepped right into it. But I think that people are also realizing that we should not let perfect be the enemy of progress. 
and that sometimes it's okay to just jump in and do it. The big thing for people is how am I going to change my business to operate in a more virtual world if I can't feel, see, touch, or engage with people. I love that. Let's not let perfect be the enemy of progress. From any perspective, you know, we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, self-starters out there who should be regarding themselves as a brand. That's what they are, especially if they're building an audience on social media. But we tend to overthink things. And at this time, when there's so much uncertainty floating in the air, overthinking it really does kind of just prevent you from really doing anything. When we're moving things digitally, which is what everyone's doing, would you say that there are a lot of unique challenges that come into play? Is it an oversaturated market now? How do you really carve out your own path when everyone is using that route, that digital route? That's a great question. And you're right. Everybody is using it, but I'm not sure that it's necessarily oversaturated. I think it almost reminds me of the early days of dot-com. Everybody was talking about, we need an e-commerce channel. And that became the way that people were doing things, right? We went online and online shopping started to become a thing. And now it's just part of the way that we do things in any given day, right? It's omni-channel and digital is part of that. I think the unique challenge right now is that you have brands, you have companies that weren't digital because they might not have been direct to consumer. They might've gone through a retail channel. That retail channel is now closed. It's off limits. So how do you still manage to distribute your product and how do you build that direct to consumer play when it's not something you've ever done before? I think is a challenge facing brands. Like I said, I think it's a bigger challenge for the bigger brands. I think that your smaller, more nimble brands can do that. And I'll give you a great example. Here in my community, there is a small group of high-end luxury resale stores. There are three of them. And while they had a small online presence, they would post some of the really good luxury items on Instagram. And then they moved to Instagram shopping. Now they're doing Instagram lives every day from the store, showing off the merchandise, showing you what they've got, styling the merchandise, creating content, and allowing people to place orders for it and shipping it out the same day so that you've got it the next day. Really agile, really easy to do smart. Then the other piece of me kind of looks at it. I'm like, I don't know why all these people are buying all of these clothes because nobody's going anywhere, but that's a whole nother story. The thing is they're keeping their business moving and they've done it in a smart way. The restaurants that have adapted to carry out only or place an order online and we'll bring it outside to your car. To some extent, that's digital. That's not a restaurant's business. The restaurant is to serve people that are eating in the restaurant. So I think there's great examples out there of how we've retooled and also really good examples of how brands are repositioning themselves. Because I think a lot of brand equity is going to be created and changed during this time. When we had a chance to catch up last week, we were talking about Uber in particular, really making a strong pivot and a bold pivot putting humanity first versus revenue. I'd love to talk about that a little bit because you had a lot to say in the U.S. in particular. And I got to look into this on the Canadian side, but with Uber in the U.S., they actually put out ads that told people not to take Ubers in the meantime, which would halt their business in a sense. 
Yeah, they did. And I commend them for that. It was a huge, bold move. And, you know, when you talk about putting profits aside, now you're stepping squarely into the space where I like to play, which is that intersection of profits and purpose, because purpose and profit can peacefully coexist. They can play nicely in the sandbox together. But I think what Uber did was brilliant, right? Telling people that for the sake of humanity, don't take an Uber. We don't want you out running around. But Uber still has opportunity, right? They've got Uber Eats. They can still bring you food. And that's a basic human necessity. But just to be out cruising around in an Uber, there's nowhere to go anyway. So I think that what they did with their marketing campaign was just absolutely brilliant. There's other brands that have done really smart things. I do think, though, that we are going to see some consumer fatigue, at least here in the U.S., with the consistency of messaging. All you see on the air here is that we're all in this together. And it's really desaturated spots. They're black and white. They're heavy. They've got undertone music. Candidly, it's it's a little depressing. And I, I think that we are going to see consumer fatigue with that messaging. It's interesting. I mean, I agree with putting purpose first and putting humanity first. But you look at some of maybe these smaller brands that aren't as successful yet as Uber, and they need to generate revenue to stay alive. In that sense, how do you kind of balance both out so that you're sitting under a positive light in terms of marketing, but you're also staying alive? Yeah, I think staying alive is the name of the game today for people. But if you do not infuse your brand with a sense of purpose, you're going to be really, really challenged to do that moving forward. Because as I alluded to, I think that how brands respond today is going to define their future relationship with consumers, especially with Gen Z. Gen Z is sitting at home. They are missing out on the major moments of life if they're leading edge Gen Z and they're paying attention. We know that purpose is critically important to them. So I think that there are ways for brands to find purpose, to talk about what they're doing, to lean in doesn't mean you have to sacrifice profit. And I think that that's been the misnomer for people is that you're either a purpose-driven organization, that you're a nonprofit, so to speak, and therefore you don't really care about the money, or you're a profit-driven corporation. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. Like I said, there's a great intersection where they play together and they're going to have to play together moving forward. So Lisa, when it comes to that, I guess the one thing that makes this so different then like he had referenced the financial crisis of 2008-9 or even going back much further to periods of war or whatever the case may be. This is just bizarre um, from the perspective that for the first time ever, people can't get together, that it has kind of brought the economy to a screeching halt in many different industries and sectors due to the fact that people can't get out, they can't go places, they can't spend money in the same fashion. So when we're talking about companies pivoting What has been your advice to some people that have been impacted really badly by this, just in terms of how do you figure out a way to remodel your process, your enterprise, your ability to make revenue when we can't get together? Tom, that's a great question. And I think it is figuring out what getting together really means in our new normal, right? We are finding ways to get together. I have been living my life on Zoom. I never thought that there were things I would be able to do on Zoom that I'm finding are actually working great. So from a networking perspective, I have had more Zoom coffees with people than I can tell you. We come to the table or the desk or wherever you've got yourself set up, 
bring your cup of coffee, we have our conversation. Is it as good as sitting at Starbucks being face-to-face with somebody? No, it's not. But is it worth the risk of sitting face-to-face with that person right now? Absolutely not. So I think that one thing that's changing is that people are extremely empathetic to what's happening. We are all in this together. There's nobody that isn't impacted one way or another. And so people are finding new place within themselves to give to others, whether it's of their time, of their advice. And I think that we're just going to have to leverage that to some extent and people's receptivity to helping each other. When you talk about brands needing to pivot, it was very interesting. I did a consult for a gentleman in Nigeria who owns a marketing company. And in their culture, they use what they refer to as brand ambassadors. It's a different context for brand ambassadors. But his company does a lot of work for web apps. And essentially what they do is they have humans out on the street in the busy areas of the downtown sector interacting with consumers and asking them if they have a need for this particular app. They install the app on the phone for them and help them learn how to use it while they're standing there on the street. Really foreign concept to us here in the U.S. and probably in Canada, but it's what they do over there. And so what he was explaining is that they are essentially on lockdown there as a result of COVID. And he said, I don't have a business anymore. I said, oh, but you do have a business. I said, do your customers have the emails of the people that have downloaded the app and will they give you access to them? He said, I believe so. Yes. Why? I said, because there's your new sales force. I said, you essentially have got a group. You have an army of digital brand ambassadors that actually are more credible than your former employees because these are people that have downloaded and actually used these apps. They can help troubleshoot. They can advocate for it. And it's credible and authentic. Offer a referral program. So you just turn these folks into your virtual sales force. It's just a matter of thinking creatively about how we approach things these days. Are you finding that people are so laser focused on the issues at hand that literally fell on their lap overnight and struggling to look at the picture and seeing let's say this entire email list as something that they can leverage. This entire experience really did kind of rock all of our worlds in different ways. And so it sounds like, especially with the gentleman that you were speaking to, kind of tunnel vision right now with what we're working with. I would agree with that. I think that we need to think about this in three phases. The phase that we're in, unfortunately, and and I say in because we're still here, I don't think we've moved very much in the last several weeks, is it's still to some extent recovery. How do I stand my business back up? How do I operate right now? And I think that's what people are struggling with. Where we need to start looking, what's next on the horizon is reinvention. How do I change my business? How do I pivot? What needs to happen to ensure that I'm sustainable? And then resurgence. And I think resurgence is a little farther off on the horizon, but resurgence is what's going to happen when we've gotten through that reinvention phase and we all understand what the new normal is and we've become really proficient and adept at operating in that new normal so that the next time something like this happens, we're a lot smarter about it. This has never happened before. And even in 2008, 2009, when we had the economic collapse, that went in waves sort of country by country and some places got hit more than others, but it didn't happen necessarily globally 
all at the same time. And it didn't completely shut down everything. It impacted sectors, but this is impacting everything. And it's different. I, Tom, I think you said bizarre earlier, and I would agree. I'm not sure there's another word to describe it, but this is really unlike anything that we've ever dealt with before. The other situations that we referenced, whether it was an economic situation or war, to some extent, those are what I would call man-made disasters. This is something that there's no playbook for, and we're writing the playbook as we're living it. Because it was really impossible for anyone to plan for this, there is no playbook. There's no business school for how to deal with a pandemic. No matter if you're the most seasoned business individual that has kind of been through all of the trials and tribulations over a number of decades, or whether you're new to the game, there's really no baseline to work from. So it's kind of interesting because you see some people that are viewing this as an opportunity and as sort of a, a change maker of industries and how things will evolve. And there's other people that are probably just feeling their spirit stripped and just kind of wondering how to pick up the pieces. So I'm wondering from your perspective, when you're talking to people and when you're advising people, and even when you are seeing people that are winning in this scenario versus people that are maybe struggling from a mentality perspective and from the perspective of how they're actually looking for solutions and trying to be creative. What are some trends that you've noticed from people that are managing this well and are maybe more likely to come out the other side in a positive light versus those who are really, really struggling? I think I'd have to address that from a couple of different perspectives. So one of those perspectives is leadership. And I think the people that will emerge from this as strong leaders are people that are showing a new set of skills that previously were not highly valued necessarily in the workplace. And I hate to say it because it's going to sound cold, but I think that vulnerability and empathy are two of the skills that are really emerging right now that are going to change things, right? We're all dealing with this new normal. People are working remotely that have never done that before. And we're all kind of winging it, to your point. There's not a master's class in COVID. So as we go through this, I think that the presence of people's spouses cruising through the background during Zoom or their kids or somebody's dog, cat, you know, this is becoming the new normal. And what's happening is it is creating a sense of intimacy among teams because you never would have gotten to see the inside of your boss's house or perhaps their children, or your boss sitting there with their cat on their lap during a Zoom call. Even public figures were watching broadcasting take place from people's homes. We're getting that true BTS, right? The behind the scenes of celebrities and the newscasters and everybody. And so I think that people's ability to be vulnerable, to show up to Zoom without being fully prepared, right? You may not have your face on in the morning. Maybe you didn't shave today. Really doesn't make a difference. We're all people just trying to get through this. So I think that's on the vulnerability side, on the empathy side. I think that really understanding as a leader that your team is in this too and taking that moment to check on how people are doing. You know, what's their temperature for the day? We're all having those moments. Trust me, I've certainly had them myself. As we went into this whole scenario, I was one of the people that had just lost my job and had to figure out very quickly, recognizing that my next role was not going to be imminently on the horizon as a result of this, but that I had skills and I have value to bring. 
And that was really the impetus behind Marketing Mojo. I knew that I had something to bring to the table and that I could help people and that it gave me an opportunity. As I said, there is opportunity that's going to come out of this. So I think for those people that are really struggling to pick themselves up, you've got to look for something positive and you've got to recognize it's not just you. If you've lost your job, it has nothing to do for the most part with you. It's a situation that is far beyond your control. And once you've sort of reconciled with that, at least for me, it made it a little bit easier to say, okay, you know what? Check the box. I spent the time mourning the loss of my job that my personal identity was so tied to. But then that recognition that my personal identity had nothing to do with the logo on my business card. It has to do with what's in my head and what I bring to the table. And recognizing that even though I don't have that logo or that title, I still have a tremendous amount of value to offer. So how do I do it and how do I bring it to people that need it? Lisa, I want to thank you for your vulnerability. I remember when I found out that you had lost your job. I was just so saddened to hear about the news and just even the first few minutes of talking to you, you were optimistic about what was coming and the pivot that you made in your personal and professional life and the silver linings that you're hanging on to, which is incredible. And I'm personally really excited to see where Marketing Mojo goes. Like this is your foray into entrepreneurship, which is exciting and a little scary at the same time, I'm sure. But your experience, I mean, there's a lot of good things to come. But keeping in line with that, would you say that this is a good time for a lot of people to maybe explore starting something new? Because it's a huge shakeup. And when huge shakeups happen, it might prevent people from taking action and making a big, bold career risk. But as we've seen and we've come to learn that there are risks in everything that we do, whether it's being employed full time by a large company, whether it's just doing something on our own terms. But how would you describe this current landscape for starting a new business and marketing it successfully? You know, you raised so many good points there and it just to me, if not now, when? Because it's different right now if you don't have a job than if you didn't have a job a year ago. The whole landscape has changed and there will be new business models, there will come opportunities that come out of this. And so if you've been thinking about doing something, now is the time to do it. You've got the luxury of the space to do it, the mindset to do it, I think most people, quite frankly, that are out of a job, well, yes, people are looking for jobs. It's not that full scale or full court press that would normally go on because the jobs just aren't there. So I think it's a great time to be learning, to be networking. But if there's something you've been thinking about trying, I would absolutely do it. I I put a post on LinkedIn, I think it was last week. And it, you know, you talk about the silver linings. I think I had that cathartic moment, right? And so what I talked about is that it took me a minute to get there, but I really had this understanding that this isn't all bad. I'm a startup, I'm an entrepreneur. So I don't have a job that's paying me necessarily in money like I'm used to. I mean, I'm making some money, but it's it's not what I'm used to. But I'm getting paid in knowledge and I'm getting paid in fulfillment and knowing that I'm connecting and helping others. I'm lucky, I've got food on my table, I have a roof over my head, I'm not sick, my friends and family are healthy. That's kind of my benefits package. It's all relative in today's world. And, you know, when I think about things that I don't have that are your normal benefits, like a 401k that I'm investing in, 
I actually do have a fund I'm investing in. It's the ME fund. And I know that the ROI on it is going to be really high because as we come out of this, one of the things I will have to bring to the table, whether I pursue it on my own or I decide to go look for another job, is that because of the time and the fact that I've used this to learn and to expand my horizons, I will come out of this to some extent rested, refreshed, ready to add value. But I also, because I haven't been heads down buried in my job, I'm not having that tunnel vision right now. I'm able to look up a little bit and see much broader perspective across industries and sectors and lean in to study what's happening there. So that gives me a different perspective and a different knowledge set, if you will, than folks that are employed and are heads down with tunnel vision on just what their company is doing. So you hit some really interesting points there. And one thing that I'm curious to get your take on is what certainty and safety might look like after this. So historically, you know, the name of the game was you go to school, you try to get the best marks you can so you can get into the best post-secondary education. You take that, you go and you get a job and you you work your way up. That's kind of been historically how it's been done. And then in more recent years, there's been a much stronger push towards entrepreneurship. And then this pandemic hits. And on one hand, you say, okay, maybe it's safer to go uh, the more traditional route. And yet there's tons of people that were laid off and tons of people that are going to have to reevaluate. And then you might say, okay, well, maybe if you're working for yourself, that would make it a bit easier. Well, there's a lot of opportunities that dried up for entrepreneurs and people that are working more in the gig economy. So I'm curious to get your perspective. Where do you think the future of work lies? Do you think people will be fleeing to the quote unquote safe jobs that have always been there in the past? Or do you think people are going to be trying to work for themselves more and more. You know, I wish I had a crystal ball to gaze into that would give me the answer on that. But if I had to take a guess at it and nothing more than a guess, I think it's going to be a hybrid model. I think that there will still be those safe jobs, as you talk about, for people that follow the traditional path. But I also think that we're going to see a big change in what the corporate structure looks like. And it really depends how we come out of this on the other side. From a safety perspective, I don't think any of us are sure what it's going to look like to go back into a workplace. We don't know, quite frankly, if the virus can travel through ventilation systems. The configuration of offices is going to need to change so that people aren't as physically close to each other. I just don't see a day anytime in our near future when I'm sitting in a crowded conference room with people again. And so that being said, I think that there's great opportunity for both. I think that companies may lean towards entrepreneurs to augment their workforce because working remote doesn't necessarily work for everybody. And you also have got a cost structure sometimes by hiring a contractor that you don't have with a full-time employee. So I do think there's going to be opportunity for both as we move forward, but I think it is definitely going to look very different. And exactly what the right mix or the, the ratio of FTE to contract help is for entrepreneur, I'm not sure. So on that note, when you're talking to your contemporaries, when you're talking to clients, when you're planning for yourself and thinking about what the future might hold, how do you start? <laughs> like, How do you actually get the ball rolling, build some momentum, build some progress when no one really knows what the future looks like? What advice do you offer to people that are looking towards building out 
some vision of the future when we don't know what that future looks like? You know, that's the $64,000 question, right? None of us know what it's going to look like and things are changing so fast. For me, I think the one thing that I won't say it was easy, but it was a natural starting point was the fact that brand purpose is going to be of more importance moving forward than it ever has been. That's the space in which I've worked. And while it took me a minute, and Bridget, I know we talked about this when we caught up a little bit ago, it took me a minute really to hone in on what my superpower was and figure out what I had to bring to the table. Because there is, if you've worked for a company and you've always been an employee, there is that sense of loss that comes with the loss of the title, the loss of the logo on your business card, that sense of tribe or community from your office mates. But I think that in today's environment, if you have an idea, you've got absolutely nothing to lose. Very wise person that I worked with at UPS once told me many, many years ago, I've always remembered this, but if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And I've gotten really, really good at going out on a limb and asking for things that probably six months or even a year ago, I might not have been comfortable asking because I would have thought, you know what, I'm a representative of this company. I'm not sure it's right to ask for that. At this point as an entrepreneur, if I don't ask for it, nobody else is going to do it for me. So I've got absolutely nothing to lose and neither does anyone else, right? If you try something and you don't succeed at it, at least you learn what didn't work. And to me, and I always told my team this, the only real mistake is if somebody dies. That's the one thing that you can't fix. Everything else is just a learning experience. So again, I would say just get out there and do it. I don't necessarily know how to do all the things I'm doing now. I'm learning. So I think that's a great piece of advice. I would imagine for somebody um, like yourself and for other individuals that have some experience behind them and are maybe more confident and comfortable in their skin, they'll find the ability to ask some of those questions and to push forward. I'm curious to get your take for young people that are coming up, that maybe they're just entering the workplace. Maybe they just graduated. Maybe they had just started their careers, but got laid off or fired because of this. And maybe they're not quite at a place in their professional and personal development where they're quite comfortable enough to speak up or to ask those questions, or maybe they don't know the right questions to ask just yet. So for maybe some of the younger people that might be listening, and I'm even thinking back to back in 2008 when there was that financial collapse, that's when I was hitting the workforce myself. And it was like, my God, like, where do you start? There's nobody's hiring. What am I supposed to do here? So I'm just thinking of some of those people for young people that are listening in that might be looking for advice on how to build some progress or how to um, at least put themselves in a position where the future might be a little bit brighter. What would you suggest to those people? I definitely think that in today's environment, there is such a sense of community with people that my advice would be network, reach out to people, find a network of mentors or advisors, Sherpas, if you will, people that will lean in and help you. And while that's always been true, it's really been more of that formal mentoring in the workplace. This is more informal mentoring. And it's advice that I gave. I spoke to a group of college students that are members of the American Marketing Association and that they're in a collegiate chapter. And I spoke with them and it, it was a very real concern. They said, we're not going to have internships this summer. You know, some of us had jobs. We have been told those jobs don't exist. What do we do? And my guidance to them was use this as a learning time, right? An internship would be for learning. So take extra classes online, 
learn things, network, get on LinkedIn, find people, make it a point to network. I still do that today. I make at least three new connections every single day with somebody. It's not just that I want to grow my list of LinkedIn connections to a certain number. I want to curate people that I can bring value to and that have value to offer me because I'm still learning too. So I think networking is great. Certainly people are really receptive to leaning in and having conversations. I've seen so many people on LinkedIn that have said, hey, you know what? I lost my job. I've got time. If I can be helpful to you, feel free to hit me up. And I think we all have a responsibility to do that for each other. That's a lot of what I've been trying to do as well. It's just one little way in which we can all give back. But I think the other thing is look for a place that will take your skills, even if you're not getting paid for it. So find a volunteer opportunity. Nonprofits certainly need the help today, whether it's your local food bank, maybe there's something that you can do that doesn't involve you being there in person. Maybe it is doing something that creates a transferable skill for you. Maybe it's leaning in to teach virtual day camp over the summer, which will give you some training skills or some collaboration skills. But look for those skills that are transferable, that you can relate to business and use this as a time to build them. Lisa, I've been saying this a lot lately, and I'm going to say it again, but just going back to what you said, connection has never been more important. And thank God, thank God for technology. Because if this was happening in another decade, who knows how we keep ourselves connected and just sane overall. So we appreciate you doing this, being so honest and being so vulnerable too. We can't thank you enough. Oh, this was awesome. Our therapy is to some extent to deal with this, right, is to talk about it. And the more we talk about what we see happening and the more we project for the future, I am a big believer if you put the right things out into the universe, sometimes the universe will hear you. So I think that uh, right now we all need to put a really optimistic picture on this. There's going to be challenges ahead of us, no doubt. We're going to continue to have loss of jobs, loss of life. That is the unfortunate reality that we're going to have to contend with. But I think we have to recognize we are going to come out of this and start preparing for what it can and should look like. And to some extent, maybe it's in our hands to force that future just a little bit. Oh, that's so well said. Well, in such a dark time, thank you for your level of optimism. We all need it. Always good to connect with you. Thank you so much, Lisa. We'll talk to you soon and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Stay healthy. You too. Bye, Lisa. Bye.